0: The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Mark. Amen. Glory to you, O Lord. Jesus took Peter, James, and John and led them up a high mountain apart by themselves. And he was transfigured before them, and his clothes became dazzling white, such as no fuller on earth could bleach them. Then Elijah appeared to them along with Moses, and they were conversing with Jesus. Then Peter said to Jesus in reply, Rabbi, it is good that we are here. Let us make three tents, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. He hardly knew what to say. They were so terrified. Then a cloud came, casting a shadow over them. From the cloud came a voice. This is my beloved son. Listen to him. Suddenly, looking around, they no longer saw anyone but Jesus alone with them. As they were coming down from the mountain, he charged them not to relate what they had seen to anyone except when the Son of Man had risen from the dead. So they kept the matter to themselves, questioning what rising from the dead meant. The Gospel of the Lord. Uh, Just like uh, Peter, James, and John, we are on holy ground as we as we encounter this this scene, as we encounter uh, Jesus uh, radiating you know with with the divine glory, every every pore of his being. Um, what but what a strange scene, you know? We're we're on holy ground, and how terribly strange, you know? This is like, that's a once in a lifetime plus you know <laughs> experience. This is that's that's quite something. Um, and i think it's significant again for us to say the experience is what it is i think but i think it's tough for us it's it's hard for us to do it justice right i could i did think about it very briefly to say you know what this is the scene this is a scene here that makes an impression so i'll allow it to make its impression i'll go and sit down we'll spend the next 10 minutes in silence you know i can't do that for any number of reasons okay but this I think, it, I think it's worth taking our time with the passage. You know, I think that uh, we would do well to to meditate on it this weekend. So maybe if you just find one other opportunity this weekend to spend time with it and allow, find yourself in the scene. You know, you're going to have to be Peter or James or John probably, you know, but <laughs> you find yourself in the scene um, and, and allow it to have its, uh, its, uh, its experiential Impact on on you. Okay. I think that's this is really the, the first thing uh, That that needs to be said It is a strange scene because you have Jesus, you know, who is um, to, to this point perhaps not ha, has not revealed um, So much of who he is to his disciples. I mean, that's an That's a great understatement, isn't it? But it's he hasn't he certainly hasn't revealed himself in this way to anyone and yet he's there to be seen and he's there to be seen. Uh, this, this is a very significant point, and uh, I will try to return to it later. But, but what I want, because I'm trying to do the the discipline thing this Lent, right? Just just like everybody else, I'm going to try to do the discipline thing. So let me let me start with with my reflections here. I want to look actually at Moses and Elijah. I'm going to try to take it a little different way than than I usually take it. If you want the way that I usually take it, I sent out my email this weekend. That's that's the way I usually take it, and we have. Uh, any number of homilies on the, on the po- podcast from previous years that you can tap into. Moses and Elijah, okay. Moses and Elijah are great prophets, okay? So I, I, my, the usual stance is to say they're representative of the law and the prophets, the whole kind of narrative scheme and scope of, of Israel as a people, and then Jesus, the fulfillment of that. But what I want to say is, okay, Moses, prophet, Elijah, prophet. And they're both both, I mean pinnacle prophets, right? Prophets par excellence. And they are sent to God's people at times when um, idolatrous religious ideas were encroaching on the people of Israel, okay? Moses, in the, in the, on the one hand, you know, we see how God deals with that. Yeah, he is God's mouthpiece to people in high places, right? He goes right to the Pharaoh, and he's saying, let my people free. We have to go and worship. We have to go and worship, and sometimes, like, I mean, I've been inclined to read that for a long time as, that's just an excuse, you know, you just want to get out of, you just want to get out of Egypt, you know, it's like, we're going to get out, we've got to go worship on the mountain, you know, and we've got to take all our animals with us, we don't know what God's going to ask us to do, okay, well, the challenge actually becomes that the people of Israel are disfigured, and being disfigured as a people, because they're not only surrounded by that pagan nation, they're, they're in that pagan nation. And the worship of counterfeit gods is disfiguring them, yeah? And, we, and you only see kind of like the extent of that, the disfiguring power of the idols when Israel goes out into the wilderness and starts grumbling, right? And they want the flesh pots of, of old, right? They want the food, you know? They want, they want all the delights of Egypt. They were, they were slaves in Egypt, Okay, so there's, and there's, there's always that connection also, right? Idolatry and slavery, okay? And I would say a slavery that, that disfigures, a, a slavery that reduces the full humanity through those acts of idolatry. And I, in, in the wake of idolatry comes injustice. So you see the injustice of Pharaoh, Moses is there to do something about it and lead the people into the promised land or out at least into the purification Prior to the entry into the promised land, and so that means to renew them in holiness and justice. Elijah very much the same, right? It's it's Elijah who does battle with the prophets of Baal. Yeah, and Baal is um, I mean Baal is kind of like a bit of a catch-all for for any number of uh, counterfeit gods, but it's it's always the big ones. It's it's fertility and it's um, you know, the uh, the flourishing of of the land, the harvest. U- usually, those are the ones that they really get people going of course mam- mammon is r- remain <laughs> okay it is okay so look up we we'll go wikipedia mammon okay tonight and uh, you know see what see what that's about anyway elijah we see does battle with the prophets of baal and uh, and he ends up defeating them showing them to be powerless so even though they were disfiguring the people of israel he showed them to be powerless the people of Israel then clamored for right worship, want to be restored to worship of God. And then they would be uh, led to rediscover their purpose, their purpose, God's purpose for them to be a light of the world. But they had to be, re- they had to be renewed in order to do it. There are other things going on with, with Moses and Elijah. I think those are massively significant because for us in Lent, we're doing battle with the idols. Yeah, We're doing battle with the idols which means that in all the ways that we are otherwise inclined even to give ourselves over to, this, to the disfiguring forces of the idols, we're now committing ourselves to go God's way. We're, we, want, we want also to be renewed in holiness and justice. We don't pray we don't need another Elijah to come and slit the throats of 500 prophets, you know, of Baal, but... Um, uh, you know whatever whatever it is God wants you know it it is what it is um but uh we we want to be renewed and disfigured by our worship of counterfeit gods so a big part of our Lenten journey then is to uproot the idols we have to uproot idols okay and usually it's money power and pleasure sex maybe sorry kids um but there's a bunch of other there's there's a lot of other things going on right that that catch our, te- not only catch our attention, that we are invested in, in order to get us where we want to be. Okay, so I, I sometimes ask the question like, okay, we think of our life, okay? And you say, well, this is where I'd want to be. This is when I've made it. What is making it look like? And how do you get there? And this is where we start to track some of the influence of idolatry. Because very often it's not, my life is about God and his purposes, and actually I don't, I don't really mind where he takes me. I just want to be a vehicle of his blessing wherever I go. It's like, no, I, I really want safety, comfort, security, blah, 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 blah. And we go, well, how am I going to get there? And that's when mammon is like right there, right? Because it's always money. It's always, if I just have more money, right? I play this, I play this game myself, you know? And I, yeah, anyway, won't get, into, won't get into my sob story, okay? But this is, I was like, I'm like, oh, yeah, just give me a bit more money. I'm going to do it. I'll be fine. I'll be fine. Okay. But of course, it's not, right? What is. What is what is secure and safe about that? It's just that we've we've convinced ourselves that sacrificing ourselves on that particular altar is going to get us to where we need to be, right? Or power and power and money, of course, are so closely connected, you know. But it's like we if we just want a bit more of that, so I'm going to give myself over to getting a bit more of that. Okay. So the language of of um, say in the Old Testament of idolatry, it's always love, trust, obey. Love, trust, obey. And this is how we interact with our idols. This is how God wants us to interact with him. Love, trust, obey. Which is why he takes uh, extraordinary efforts to uproot the power of the idols, chiefly in the death and resurrection of Jesus, right, to break the backs of the idols, and then to plant himself, to plant Jesus, at the very center of our hearts and lives. So if you have to uproot the idols, we have got to plant Jesus there. Okay, so... Idolatry, yeah. So then they say, we're doing the Lenten season thing. (laughs) That's a strange way to say it. We're doing this is like not self-reflective until I catch myself saying something weird, you know. Okay, anyway. So we're we're doing the Lenten thing. We're doing the Lenten uprooting of idols thing. How are we doing that? We're doing that by serious effort. Okay, we're doing that by serious effort. We're praying and we are fasting and we are giving alms. We're praying, and we're fasting, and we're giving alms. Okay, we're climbing the mountain. Do you see how the, do you see how the passage begins? Jesus took Peter, Peter, James, and John and led them up a high mountain by them, apart by themselves. Right, so we are being led by Jesus in our penitential practices up a high mountain apart by ourselves. Do we experience our Lenten penances our Lenten disciplines that way, the things that we've taken on is in prayer, fasting, and almsgiving. Does that feel, I mean, that might feel like climbing a high mountain. I hope to some extent it does. If not a high mountain, then maybe like the torn or something. You know, like that's strenuous enough for most of us, you know? It's like, okay. So we're doing, we're, we're, it's a bit strenuous, okay? But it's an activity by which we find ourselves with Jesus. We're a part by ourselves with jesus so it has to be part of that relationship okay but we're, we're doing very i say we're doing hard things this is this is this is penance okay this is the this is the season but are we doing those hard things for themselves we're not we're doing it one at jesus's command he's directing our every effort so we're praying about what it is we're going to do in the realm of prayer and almsgiving but also he wants us to have an encounter with him that we otherwise would not be prepared for. This is the issue. So it's only taking them up the high mountain apart by themselves. Right, That strenuous journey. It's only our commitment, prayer, fasting, and almsgiving. We're following Jesus in faith. Our eyes are trained on him because right, he's doing the difficult, the difficult things. He's calling us to do the difficult things. This is where we see Jesus transfigured. This is where we see Jesus transfigured. Yeah, so it's it's only by saying, Yes, I'm going to engage in the work of uprooting idols in my life. I'm going to I'm going to engage in the work of, of having God breathe his spirit into me, breathe life into me, that we're then we're open to the revelation of God. We're open to the revelation of, of Jesus who wants, can I say, he wants so desperately to be seen. I mean he's standing there radiating the divine glory and as every pore his clo- his clothes become bright as as light he wants to be seen he wants he wants to he wants you to encounter him so we we set off on on our little journey step by step right our our penitential practices and yet those are that allows us to be open to see him because all too often we're caught up in the worship of idols and we're caught, we're caught up in ourselves in such manner that we're not able to see Jesus. And then we go around saying, where is this guy? <laughs> where did this guy go? And it's like, yeah, well, we're not the ones. He's not the one who disappeared from the scene. We just have our eyes closed. We haven't trained our spiritual sight. He's there, and he wants to reveal himself to us. But, but we're going to catch the revelation of, of the glory of God as man, in and as Jesus of Nazareth. When we commit ourselves to going his way, and, we, and when we start saying, okay, you know what? I'm not going to hedge my bets, money, power, pleasure, whatever. I'm going all in on Jesus. I'm going to give myself over to him whole and entire. And then this is where we get, okay, there's hope, there's a lot going on in that scene. I have to say something like, look at, look at how the, the voice from heaven speaks of the beloved son. Love is delight here, right? Love is delight. The, the God the Father is delighting in his Son. And that relationship is broken open for us to enter. So, so we can live a relationship of delight with the Father and, and in the Son. But look, here, this, this, is where, this is where it leads, right? After all that, our practices that open us to, to see Jesus, the revelation of, of God as the, the God of, of delight we we hear what it is we need to hear this is my beloved son listen to him this is my, and this this my friends is the whole of christian discipleship this is my beloved son listen to him jesus is the one at the head of the renewal movement he's the one who's making the way and he's the one who's called us to follow him right he he's at the head he's our king he's our lord And he's giving us the the strength, he's giving us the sustenance, he's giving us everything we need to trust and follow him, to love and trust and obey him. But this is what it comes down to. It's a matter, it is a matter of obedience. And this is what this Lenten season is given to us for. And it's what our entire Christian life is. It's growth into obedience. It's listening to the Son. Yeah? And the great thing is, nobody needs to mediate that relationship for you. Right? Not even me. Yeah, it's it's not a it's not a matter of not even me. No, it's like we've got other people as well, okay? No, it's not me, okay? No one, no one needs to mediate that relationship with you. But then there's responsibility on the other side to say, I'm going to live the relationship with Jesus that isn't mediated by anybody else. I'm going to have a direct relationship with Jesus, and I'm going to listen to him. and you know, at the end of it all, right, uh, whether, whether the, these are sermons of, of, of high theology or just a whole bunch of things that, that keep going over our heads, so much of it is lost. It's, it's all good, actually, as long as we can get this part. We, we're, we're made here. We've been called here to listen to Jesus. And so if we just want to make the prayer in our hearts, Lord, I'm listening, right? Speak, speak to me. Yeah, I, I trust you. I want to grow in my love and trust and obedience to you because you're my king and my lord. Yeah, and then and then we'll find that. His um, his his delight-filled love is is right there for us. Is right there for us. Whether we're whether we're on top of the world, we're struggling in the depths of the thing, his delight-filled love is there for us to breathe new life into us and effect a renewal that he's come to effect.